Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. We're going to get through this one. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but we keep striking out, don't we, Vance? With, uh, yeah, we're having trouble with connections here. It might be that storm. It might be. Anyways, I am joined, as you guys already know, by Vance. He's in front of Ranger, and we got Todd Young on the phone. Hopefully, we still do. Um, this podcast is getting off to a rocky start, but it's brought to you by Fatty Z Musky Products. FattyZMusky.com. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter, Facebook. Got a YouTube channel. They sporadically get updated. But anyways, we make jerk baits, glide baits, paddle tail swim baits, rod holders, Project X. If you're thinking of setting up a boat, please um, at least consider the rod holders. And uh, we got a, you know, good reasons why I'd like to say they're the best musky rod holders out there. Mm-hmm. They're very popular and they're selling. They're selling very well. So, um, Fat Easy Musky. That is the podcast that is a major sponsor because by proxy. <laughs> um, we're, also, yeah. we're also brought to you by Boshed, boshed.net. I'm not sure if the store's up. He hasn't gave us one way or the other. I did not check yet. But he is in, in process of updating his store, and you can check it out, boshed.net. He's also in Mark's Bait Tackle and Ammo in Ravenna, Ohio. Not only is it the world's largest Boss Shad dealer, but he stocks all the baits. And he has a lot of colors. He's the biggest retailer other than Boss Shad himself. Check him out. They have a Facebook page and Google search Mark's Bait Tackle and Ammo because the online store is up. Check those out. A lot of fish get caught on them. I know that after the Muskie Max, which we're going to talk in depth about in this show, I have a lot more Boss Shads. Vance, do you have more Boss Shads? I do. Todd, do you have more Boss Shads? Yes, I definitely do. We have a lot of Boss Shads. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk some more about that and uh, a little bit later on the show. But another sponsor of ours is Wiley Lures. Now i got to ask the same question. Vance, do you have any more Wileys after the shows? Yes. How many? I think I, I, I took it easy this show. I just picked up two. You sent me a picture of a giant box of all show season. Oh, of all show season. Yeah, I have I have like something like another 20-some lures. 20-some? Yeah. Yeah, they're addicting. They're, they are addicting. <laughs> and uh, check them out, muskythrills.com. I'm not sure if that is still up and running because he does shut that site down. When he meets his order quota for the year, he will shut it down. They are, I, 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 they're hard to get. I, I guess you could go out and say that much. Um, and they're handmade. They're beautiful. And he's been making them for a good long time. Catch a lot of fish on those. Mm-hmm. And Todd, you want to wrap up some of the other plugs? Yeah. Uh, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. mcfishingguides.com. Check us out. You got a website up and running. We're booking trips. We're going to be fishing. Vance and I will be fishing uh, Chautauqua Lake from Memorial Day through November. And then uh, doing a little bit of fishing end of April, early May. We've got some trips going to Pima Tuning. Got some trips going to Conneaut Lake. Got a few trips going out early season there. For It's early season for me. But uh, 
only a couple of days left in June. Uh, you know, we, we can still get you get, uh, in. Vance has some openings, and uh, but I don't. Uh, you know, my June's pretty booked. Starting to push people into July, September. Booked one for September, one for October today. So, uh, if you're interested, you got a week. You're going to be there. Give us a call as soon as you can because uh, can't always guarantee we can get you in and on the books. So. You know when you're going to be there vacation or something, get a hold of us. We'll do our best to get you on some fish. So right now you got 3% of September booked, roughly? Yeah, like a day probably. Yeah, <laughs> That's about 3%. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. you got like 94% of June booked up. June. I got like two days during the week. And then I, I you know, I, I'm not fishing every day, but I have about 25 days booked now. So I do have to come home and. You know, I just cut grass and see my daughter and wife a little I, I, bit. I, I, so. I, I'm not understanding this. So you're not going to fish every single day? <laughs> I'm not going to fish every single day. But right now there's about six, maybe five that I'm not fishing. I would take on about two more, and that's it. I, I'm not going to be able to do any more. So, Unacceptable. June did book up quick. Yeah. My June's pretty pretty filled up too there's only a couple more days i could really fit in there so pretty much what you're saying is that my days to fish with you guys in june are not going to happen yes that's what happens you had to get on the books early oh my gosh mm-hmm. gotta, gotta get hold of us you hear it every week I, and, and i should I'm, know out of all this yeah, that I'm i should not. be putting in my days early <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so Todd's filling up, Vance is filling up, and when you guys are out there fishing, is there a certain type of rod that you like? St. Croix. Really? Yeah. Tell me about them, Vance. Best rods on others? Uh, mostly made in the USA. We use them for trolling and casting. Uh, we all pretty much use that big dog casting, that 8.6, extra heavy. Yeah, mine's more like 8.9. It really, yeah. You have that custom... Ugh. Mm-hmm. The custom rod Andy did. <laughs> I I added some butt grip length to mine. You did. But I did it for not being custom. I did it for utility. Yeah. Well, if you're in the rod market right now, give them a fair shake. They make, make it from, you know, down to pan fishing all the way up to musky fishing, saltwater stuff. Check them out. They really are great rods and a great warranty. Yes, the story that you told, I still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Two warranties and you lose yeah. it. I uh, yeah, I. <laughs> I <guess laughs> they I, do have lots of rods. Yeah, I, I mean they, they have they, they have so many. I, I was looking through the, uh, you know, online there because I'm going to be placing my order for the season, and uh, they added a few. They added a new spinning rod, musky spinning rod. They, you know, they're always adding stuff, and there, there's a lot of rods. You got to really keep the numbers straight and. Uh, at times I have to go out to look to see which one I actually have if I want to reorder because there's so many. <laughs> now I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up power. here. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna hit you guys up right now. What is your thought on a spinning combo for musky? Well, I'm ordering. I'm ordering one. I'm I'm gonna order a rod this year. I mean, I have a real nice pen reel, beautiful. Uh, you can get. It, I mean, you can get it done. I used used to do it. I'm doing it mostly because I just have, you know, I take a lot of people that are just, 
used to spinning around. You know, even, even though I can tell the story, look, you know, look at this picture of this girl. I taught her how to cast a bait caster that morning, and an hour later she cut this. And, you know, some, some of the guys just are so afraid, uh, so, so afraid of the bait caster, even though we can set the, you know, you can set your reel up, you can set it up, and I show them, look, you can't get it. I mean, I, don't, I, I really didn't have a backlash all last year, even, even with teaching people. Because we're throwing such heavy baits, you know, and I tell them the whole story. You know, it's not like bass fishing. You're not trying to throw a little quarter-ounce spinner bait into the wind. I mean, you're underhand chucking this thing, and it's going to go way further than you need it to, you know. Uh, but some people are still afraid of it. I think it's going to be – I'm going to be using mine a little bit for the guys that are jigging, you know, jigging our swim baits off the back corner of the boat or just, you know, giving them a little flip and – jigging it you know i think they're going to be more comfortable jigging with the right hand because that's what they're accustomed to uh you know to fishing but uh yeah and honestly there's really nothing wrong with them uh if you're going to be casting all day i yeah i i i have my reasons why i don't like guys throwing spin poles well but, let, uh, let's let's dig a little deeper because that's that's the scab i was mm-hmm. trying to pick mm-hmm. because what, what I, okay. I i see it i mean this is off topic it's not our normal timeline when I see people that, are, and I see it a lot on the forums and stuff like that, people that are like, I'm going to hit musky fishing hard this year. I got a couple baits, this and that. And then the topic turns to, well, what kind of, what kind of rod and reel you got? And to me, it's, it's always the same. Oh, I got this Walmart catfish spinning rod. You know, it might be three quarters of an inch at the base, you know, the, the, the graphite mm-hmm. or the fiberglass. Yeah. And then you got this big giant, you know, and it's like a $30 combo. Again, it can work. I'm not dogging on anybody. But when I see yep. that, I'm just like, oh, God. Like, you're losing so here's much. What, here, here, yeah, here, here, here's what happens. I mean, it's very simple. The bait caster, that line's coming off back and forth in the thing. For the most part, when you throw out, an eight inch jerk bait and or a eight inch swim bait, whatever you're throwing underhand, overhand, I don't care how you do it. That bait is, you know, ideal. You want that bait to just fly out there, lay, stay straight. And it flops right on the water pointing right back towards you, which is what happens most of the time with a spin pole. When you take your cast, the line is coming off in a spinning motion. I, I anybody who's ever bobber fished, if you're trying to fish with a, four foot lead under a bobber or something. And when you go to throw that, what's the biggest thing that, that, that starts happening? You know, your minnow or your jig, it starts spinning in a circle, tends to flip up and get caught on the line above your bobber. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, it happens all the time. That's exactly what happens. You know, the guys that are throwing the, the, the spin, the, you know, the spinning poles in my boat, when they they're when they're chucking that bait out that bait wants to do the helicopter as it's flying and one out of every four or five casts the, the tail hook of the plug is catching on the leader so you know it hits the water and it's foul hook you're done there's nothing you can do with it the only guys that i i haven't thrown are swim baits because really they just you know they don't get foul hooked like like the uh like if you're throwing a crankbait or something but uh that's the biggest thing I see. I mean, and that's just going by what I witness every day when guys are trying to do it. Spinners are the worst, you know, when they're throwing bucktails. Those guys are throwing those bucktails out there, and almost every, almost every other cast, it's hooking up onto the leader. I mean, it's foul hooked. Mm-hmm. That and, and it yeah. doesn't doesn't matter if you have a ball bearing swivel. I, like 
eventually no. I start getting line twist from spinner baits. Yeah. Inline spinner baits. Yeah. What about what about you know, you're all about uh inches per turn and yeah. whatnot on your retrieve. I mean one little twist of that spinning pole is probably not gonna get your forty inches per turn. No, I, I, I remember looking at it one time and I, I'm not up on all the new spinning gear mm-hmm. but the last I looked it was atrocious. Really? When when you start looking at just it, one turn of a spinning rod or a spinning reel, and then one turn of a what what's now an average speed was is high speed five six seven years ago. Mm-hmm. It, it it didn't compare. Yeah, and and that you're just losing efficiency and stuff like that. But I mean, I don't know how people can use spinning reels with them pointing down. I always enjoy having the reel spin up, <laughs> and you got to crank backwards. Yeah, it's a little odd. Yeah. Huh? That really slows you down. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, yeah, I was. Yeah, I know. Vance is over here I'm pretending trying, that he's doing to, this, and he missed my whole little joke. I, I there. did. I'm, I'm, I'm like air fishing right now. But yeah, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could get that. I don't know, but you know, I, I, I fished like that in the past. I just don't know how efficient I could be musky fishing the way that I do now with a, with a spinning pole. But you know, getting a spinning rod when you're a guide. Really could, isn't. It's not a bad idea at all because it could talk, save you a lot of headache on a specific client that's having issues. Mm-hmm, yeah, because Todd's been there, I've been there, and have seen that and been like. And the thing is, and, and the thing is, just what Andy said. These guys are adamant about it from the beginning. The older guys sometimes, mm-hmm. and they're like, "I'm going to bring my own pole," and they bring a rod, and you know, there's there's just no there's no way they can throw a jerk bait with that rod. I mean they're just they're, there's not enough backbone to it and then we end up doing something. You know, they get the I had a guy catch he got four one day with his spinning pole yeah, throwing he, a swimmer. Orange swim bait, you know, uh jigging it, going crazy, jerking it all around, but you know, the fish were hitting it. But uh you know, most of the time that when they bring one I wouldn't call it an adequate uh set up for what we're trying to do you know and then i'm relying on their own what kind of line they have on there and blah 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 you know so this way i will have one you know it'll probably spend most of its time in my truck with these guys that are absolutely adamant about i don't want to try it and some guys just say i i, I don't i don't want to do it well at that point i can tell them as much as i want let's give it a shot but if they're, if they're not going to try it then they're not going to try it now we're stuck with what they're doing and then that affects the you know that that affects my whole day right from the beginning you know what we're going to be throwing and <laughs> yeah so that's that's why i'm gonna that's why i'm gonna get one set up to have on hand yeah and and just so anyone out there knows i i've mentioned it before but i do have a spinning setup for muskies though it's very very has a very specific purpose it's the one and here here's why is i've i don't want to I have broken many reels in my heyday of winter fishing from ice buildup in the casting gear. I broke a brand new Abu and I was really happy. Like, I got this a great deal, blah, blah, blah. It didn't make it a half hour in freezing weather. And the spinning is that just the, the, the nature of it mm-hmm. can take ice a lot better. Mm-hmm. Then you know you got yeah. a little level wind going back and forth. It packs up ice on each side, and then your level wind paw opens up, and things aren't. Now you got you know line building up on one side of the spool. You're like, well, I'll limp it because I'll just cast out and not that far, so I can 
you know, yeah. just not have that thing get giant on one side to where you can't reel. Mm-hmm. The line tends to get a lot thicker and it'll fill your spool up faster. Your spinning rod, you know, spinning reel, you can just half spool it. Yeah, you're going to be really slow. But when it gets filled up with ice line, mm-hmm. you're, you're not like fumbling around everywhere. And, uh, but anyways, yeah, this, I got this on like some saltwater rod. It's short, but I, 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 did my little experimental heated eyelets to it so it's like my ultimate cold weather rod and i've used it like once mm. and i haven't used it since <laughs> so anyway there, 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 there are a lot of friends of ours that are that do a lot of that winter fishing and they do use spinning rod yeah just for the reasons you just said and the, know, eyelets they, they the, mm-hmm. the eyelets on the rods better the eyelets on the rods are bigger they can they can Much hold larger, yep hold more ice mm-hmm. but mine doesn't yeah. doesn't care Mm-hmm. It melts it right off, like the yeah. sun beating on paper. I can't imagine. I can't imagine some of the days that I've been out there steelhead fishing, trying to do it with a baitcaster. I will be honest. So if you're into that winter fishing, there's no doubt. There's a call. There's a purpose. You know. Yeah, there's I tried that. For... I tried that steelhead fishing last year. It's a joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a yeah. joke. It's not all it's, it's cracked up about, to be. Yeah, it's all about these pe- crazy people in the woods. Mm-hmm beavers and yeah. chasing imaginary bucks and deliverance that's right and uh anyways that's our little side side thing on on saying rods oh before we end that vance are you getting a spinning rod no okay and uh that's uh vance's input <laughs> so okay vance it's your turn what else are we hitting up is, is that it's your turn all, to do your we, thing did we do all the all the plugs? I, I believe so. I think we did. Okay. Uh, we're going to jump right into the podcast power rankings for this week's podcast. Um, if you want to get involved, send in your submissions, Facebook Messenger. You could message me, Andy, Todd, anybody. Hit us up on Instagram. Uh, fun little segment we've been doing since the turn of the year. Um, and I think it's working out pretty good. Um, so we'll get right into it. Uh, starting at number four is going to be mine uh and it's going to be four-wheel drive because without it i would have not been here today doing this podcast he would have called me and said save me yes but it's it's snowing pretty hard uh pretty much across this eastern region here right it's a giant storm i didn't pay much attention to it but it was nice all day and then we were debating whether we should record tonight and Mm -hmm. then you just said, for the fans, I gotta come down. I gotta come down. I gotta get this done. Uh, and four wheel drive the whole way. It helped me out. I, I actually passed. It was so bad out that I passed up the exit. It was such a whiteout. Um, I could not see the exit oh, signs. And uh, to get, I, I called Andy. I was like, man, I passed the exit up. I have, I couldn't see nothing. I was kind of in a panic. He, I was like, what's the next closest exit down? How far? far down is it what was it's that? probably i'm gonna guess like eight eight miles or so eight miles when you're crawling at about 25 miles an hour or so and then then you would have either had to turn around and come back that or it just i sit between two exits mm-hmm. and and i'm you know I, I don't know four or five miles from the from the interstate but he calls me i'm trying to get my little boy to sleep and uh, he's he's i'm like look for one of them turnarounds in the middle of this highway which you know those authorized vehicles only it should also yeah. be like authorized vehicles only and 
if you got to turn around. Yeah. And if you have to turn around. Because yeah. you missed your exit. Yeah. yeah. Y- you and feel you don't like want to go eight miles down. And, that, and that's, and honestly, I was, I was crawling and I was, I was looking for that. And I, you know, in between the, uh, you know, going north and south on that road, there's kind of a, there's a big ravine almost the way that they have it. But in, in sections, there are these turnaround places. And, I did find one, and I was poking. I was like, I think that's one there. There was a lot of snow built up. I could have just driven completely off the road and went, like, you know, nose first down into the ravine, but I could have sworn it was somewhere to turn around. I slammed on the brakes. There was people behind me and actually turned into this thing from the right lane. From the, from, and, you know, so I went from my lane, went into the passing lane, and then just clipped this road. So perfect. I like my outside tires were right on the outside of that road. Like I, I was about to, to pass it up because I was skidding. And then I was only about a mile and a half away from the exit at that, that point. Yeah. Um, what Vance left out of that story was as I was sitting there getting my boy to sleep, I heard him. He's like, here's a turnaround. And I hear nothing but the ABS sounds in his truck. Did you really hear those? Oh, I heard him going nuts. And then above <laughs> that sound, <laughs> It sounded like a drill sergeant on Ellis Island. Mother effing everything. And my little boy, who's not asleep yet, I'm like trying to be quiet on the phone. He like looks at me. And I, I, it was coincidental, but it was just this line of profanities. <laughs> and then like the clouds part, he goes, I did it. I'm done. And it was just like like the hardest part just got done. And he's like, okay. Everything's good. I'll be 20 minutes. So. Well, yeah. But yeah, I just heard that the AB, everyone knows the ABS sound. It sounds like yeah. electronically grinding gears and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I can only imagine like what Vance is going through. Oh. I mean, I, I could just, in my eyes, I'm thinking there's, there's six cars in front of him and 50 behind him. He's like, I'm going to cause the pile up on this. Well, I just, I hate when people don't follow the four second rule, especially in these conditions. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, a four second rule is you pick a spot in front of it, uh, in front of you. And if it takes four seconds to get to that spot, then you're, you're probably at a safe distance, but people are right on your tail. Now we're, we don't want to make this about your drive down, but no, well, were they riding you? Cause they wanted to get around you or are they just like, no, they were just riding me like, just behind behind me. If they wanted to get around me, they would be in that the turn the passing lane. Okay, you can make it about drive and tow, and when people, you know the jerk that's riding right on your tail, and you know somebody that's tailing you, and then you have to make a quick a quick decision. Uh, it worked out for me. I don't know if I'd do it again, but it was stressful driving. He took one for the podcast right there. That's I why did. I spent the couple minutes. <laughs> Yeah, so that is uh that's number four. Four wheel drive. Gotta have it. All conditions. Snow, towing the boat, pulling out of the nasty ramp, you gotta have four 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 wheel drive. So um coming in at four was four wheel drive. Coming in at three. Andy, take it away. Okay. Mine is I I've always liked this and it has to do with equipment and primarily the one that I think of the most is my fishing reel. And the one that does it the loudest is my tranks. It, all, all the reels I've had do this. But you cast out, and when you and the bait hits the water, and you engage that reel, that solid clunk 
everything's engaged and it's on. Mm-hmm. And to me, a, a nice, solid thump of an engagement, everything's greased, everything's working right, is just, I don't know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a freak when it comes to the mechanical stuff. So I like knowing that's my audio reassurance mm-hmm. that it's everything's meshing right. Because mm-hmm. there's sometimes, you know, I've had reels in the past that you, you try to engage, they kind of engage. You can spin the handle, but the spool doesn't spin. It's like in this weird neutral because it's in such poor condition. Yeah. So to me, it's just that clunk. Yeah. When the reel, everything says it's go time. Yeah. That's a good feeling and a good sound. It is. For sure. You could do that. It's kind of crazy touching back on spinning rods. When that big horseshoe turns over, that's a solid, that's a solid click. I... I remember when I was little with the, I'm going to go on the spinning rod thing, spinning rod. Why do I keep calling it rod? Anyways. Because they usually go hand in hand. Yeah. Usually you're not using just a reel or just a (laughs) rod. But uh, like I was always the guy that had that, like that quick trigger on this, on this, the the bail of a spinning reel that you, you, you put your finger and the lines there, and then there's like a little tab, and you just pull it like a trigger on a gun. Oh, really? And it opens. I always like that. I'm just like click, boom. Yeah. And then I look around, at like as I got older, I'm like, no one's doing this. Yeah. Am I the weirdo? Am I the guy that has the the the, the spin casting push button Zebco? And I think, yeah, I think that, you know, it went to that thumb button, and then it went to those quick triggers on the spinning reel, and then you eventually got to like a real spinning reel. But where you the, could just control it with your index finger. I mean, you, you still can. Oh, yeah. But it, it was like, it, it's just this weird, you kind of hook it, and then you got to open up the bail, and then you cast. I'm just like, why not do it with one pull of a finger? Yeah. Anyways, but then as I as I kind of just went through my progression of reels, some of those bails would not close. Like, how, how you yeah. know, you could manually close it, or you could just, like, turn the handle, and it'll close itself. Mm-hmm. And it would get on this weird 45, and it just kind of like boom, 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 spin yeah. around the the, the, mm-hmm. the line. Yeah, that was not a power ranking. <laughs> yeah, total gear closure on a reel. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I was used to the ones that I just engaged the, uh, you know, gave it like a half turn, and that thing would fly back over. You know. Okay. That's a good feeling. All right, coming in at two, Todd. Number two today. Okay, yeah, this is the uh, end of the day. Just had a nice, successful day on the water. Drop off the client, my clients, or you know, maybe you're just with friends that day, and you're heading back in. You know, sort of late in the evening. Water temps are nice, air temps nice, and you take that cruise back to the dock and getting ready to thinking about getting some dinner and getting ready for the next day. It's nice. just that cruise back at the end of the day after 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 a successful fishing trip. That is a good day. That is a good feeling too. You get to play around with speeds and stuff, getting to perfect RPMs. Maybe there's a little ripple on the water, and you can just cruise it the entire way. Easy driving, almost like cruise control on a highway. Yeah, that, yeah. a lot of that is normally. I I I hate the heat of summer, so I, I try to tend to get my fishing when i can Mm -hmm. um to where the heat is just kind of at its peak but you know normally the summer temps peak like Mm mid-afternoon and then you know so i'll get out there mid-afternoon i'll be hot and sweaty blah 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 and then it starts getting cooler comfortable the witching hour hits and then you're like okay it's done you need to have the lights on in the boat 
but you don't need lights to actually see where you're going. And I don't even think that's legal to have yeah. headlights on a boat. But <laughs> it, it's just, I don't know, like the moon is, is, is out a little bit. You can kind of see, and it's just, it could take you 50 hours to get to the launch. And you're just like, I'm, I'm content with right here. And mm-hmm. you're just cruising. Cruising feels good. It does, especially after a successful day of fishing. So two is coming in uh, after a successful day and nice cruise back to uh, the boat ramp. Coming in at one uh, for this week's podcast power ranking. We had a submission from uh, Mike Luther up in New York. Uh, Thank you for your submission. His submission is getting a lure back after a really bad snag. And that doesn't happen too often around the lakes that we fish. Um, But I, I, I mean, of course, we've all experience bad snags and with lures and the lure that you want to get back and especially if it's one of your favorite lures um the dog bone number one yeah that's a that's a, mm. that's a really good one that's yeah a, that's a that's a great feeling we we don't we don't get hung up on much um i do and no. you, you certainly do i i know that i've i've been hung yeah. up on some type of boat before um a mast or whatever on a on, a, on one of the sunken sailboats something like that um yeah but that's a that's a real rarity in these lakes around uh western pa and western new york um but we we sure did have our our fair fair shake of of losing lures down in cave run yeah getting hung up down there and uh, you know they 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 do that at our you know a lot of our reservoirs climate tuning reservoir you know people always sinking brush piles and they're, they're putting in new cribs and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, those, uh, those can be a real royal pain. And there's sometimes there's a lure in there that, I mean, I have lots of lures that I, that they just simply don't even get run on most lakes. Yeah. Uh, because of that, you know, I have a whole tackle boxes filled that would never see cave run lake. Mm -hmm. Uh, because once again, you take a lake that's, filled with sunken trees and stumps and they dump all kinds of stuff in there to boot. It's just, uh, you know, not being there every day and fishing it all the time. You don't hit your same line that you hit for the last couple of years when you do your couple of days a year fishing there and, you know, wipe out one side of the boat because they've dumped a bunch of Christmas trees in there. It's a bad feeling when there's certain lures on the end of that line. Mm-hmm. Very, very bad. Usually, what I do, and this this happens more often uh, when trolling, um, in in the musky world, I would imagine, uh, you know. But what I do is, uh, I stop the boat. I'll take care of the other rods, um, and I'll I'll you know go in reverse and try to gain on it, gain on it slowly, um, just so there's not line going all over the place back there when I'm trying to get in. And what I'm trying to do is get back on top of the lure where the snag is and maybe even go just to get the tension off it and maybe even go in that opposite direction. And usually that, that lure is going to come out. Um, if you do it, in the, you know, if, if you get over top of it and you, you start going in that opposite direction and you get that, that tightness off of it, it they usually pop out. But I, I, you know, Todd knows that I don't even have a lure retriever on my boat because like i said we just do not experience it much you'd probably drop it in the water i probably i probably would lose that too yeah i i 
there's a couple styles of lure retrievers out there. I really like mine. It's a golf ball retriever. Is it? Yeah. And I guess I'll do this little Andy's tip on this one. It's going to be extremely difficult to explain how I use it. <laughs> but if I if I had it here, people would say, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I picked this up, oh my gosh, 10 years ago or so. It was in the clearance aisle at Walmart for $3. And I don't suspect that they're $3 anymore. Mm-hmm. So if it broke, I wouldn't care because it was 3 bucks. But uh, I'm more of a fan when, it, when, it, when you're trying to get a bait unstuck, not to pull on the bait, but to push it, push it gently away. Mm-hmm. Does it always work? No. But anyways, what, what I do with mine is get, get to the snag, if, like what Vance was saying. Try to go beyond it like the, the way you approached, and hopefully you can just get it to pop free. That happens a lot. But when it's stuck, stuck, get the boat, hold it there as best you can. I reel the, the line to where there's some tension. I extend my golf ball getter to, you know, let's just say you're in eight foot of water or whatever. Enough. I don't, it goes to like 16 feet. It's something stupid. Mm-hmm. But uh, enough out. And then so you got this like little hole at the end of it where you would like scoop up a golf ball from a pond. Mm-hmm. And I take the line and I put it against that hole. And then I reach my finger through the hole and hook into the line, and I pull it through the hole, keeping tension on the bait. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so on one side of your finger, the line is going to the bait. On the other side of the finger, it's going to your rod and then to your reel. Mm-hmm. You then need someone. It helps when you have two, but it, you don't need it. Free spool the, the, the reel. And now you got this loop through this, this golf ball hole, and you can now push the golf ball loop hole picker-upper down the line that has tension where your bait is stuck. Mm-hmm. The other side that's connected to your reel is going to free spool. So you can just let that thing slide down. And you slide that all the way down to the bait. You'll know when you hit it. You know, I can normally feel where my leader is. Get it down there. Give it some good jiggles and try to get the pop free. But don't hold a ton of tension on the line because you're going to then be fighting your homemade lure retriever mm-hmm. when it pops free what i do is i just let let my finger go that had that loop of line on it grab my reel and i hold the line right in front of the reel because you got a ton of slack line and just reel it all up and you if you did it right you're gonna have no tangle and the bait if it floats is going to be sitting there floating mm-hmm. if it don't i just pick the whole thing right up the whole mess because right now the bait is at the end of the golf ball retriever mm-hmm. and then if i can i just flop it in the boat yeah and that's how I do it, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense at all. I, I understand. I, I can understand it. I'm also sitting right here and watching your animations. That's right. Yeah. So, anyways, that's how I get my baits back. Mm-hmm. But I also don't have very precious baits like Todd does. Those other uh, lore retrievers that like you can buy, they're pretty beefy looking, but they definitely work. We, me and Todd used them. Um. You, and you think that thing's never going to come out, and you slide that thing on that on that line, and boom, it's like, it takes a second. It's like done. <laughs> yeah, the, the the ones with all the chains on them, yeah. If you're using it to slide down and knock the bait free, mm-hmm. I, I, that, I like that better than, I guess the other part is, once if it doesn't knock free, you get the chains tangled in the hooks, 
And then you just kind of grab onto that rope and go yeehaw yeah. and start ripping. Mm-hmm. And obviously it works because people are making and selling them and using them. But I, I, I cringe at the thought of you got a hook stuck into, let's just say, a stump. And then the other hooks into a chain and you start pulling. What's the weak link at this point? Mm-hmm. If it's a screw eye, I mean, you could straighten a hook. You could pop a split ring. You could open an eye screw or you could pull an eye screw. If it's through wire and everything is supersized, you could literally break the bait. Mm-hmm. And that's what scares me. Mm-hmm. I'm not against oh, them. Yeah, but- yeah the, pole, the, the, the pole is the best. I mean, my, I have a pole just like Andy described. I, mean, I think it's made by Frable. <laughs> but it's about six feet long and it goes out. Boom, boom, boom. You can click it out about two or three times. But, yeah, that does not help when you've got a bait down there deep. Mm-hmm. Or when the wind's blowing real hard, you know that's the problems when you can't stay on top of things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, How did I, mean, you... I, I use that one first? There's no doubt. I use that one first if I think I can get it. But now if I have a, you know, one of Brian Boyer's legend baits on, and I know that I had that thing running 20 feet down, that pole's not going to do me any good. Yeah. Uh, so I got to get on top of it and try to get something hooked on it. And and I have I've pulled, you know. Just as Andy said, something I, I've got them tight. You know, I've got them hooked on there, and I knew it was hooked and pulled. You know, pulled the tail hook out of the plug, pulled the joint apart. But you know, that can all be fixed. Mm-hmm. Usually, usually you just straighten the hook. What happened that one time with that chartreuse and orange dot fat body down a cave run? Did you guys attempt getting that back? Oh yeah, it was in it was in like a tree branch. You know what I mean? And then there, there's nothing. You know, as we were trolling. You I saw the rod bend back. So now the line was all woven through the branches. And then, you know, I can, I can tell you get over top of where your line's going in the water. And I don't know, the bait could be still be eight feet back into the tree. Those are the ones that are hard to get because you can't get to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what happened with that one. Eventually we just tied it off the side of the boat. And sometimes you do that. And then as soon as the line breaks, boop, the Lord just floats up. <laughs> but, uh, you know the tree branches that, that that creates a problem for any of them. There, there's not a good lure retriever for that because you have to get onto the bait. <laughs> yeah, the 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 sick to your stomach feeling that you get when you're like, okay, the snag is here. I like it when it's a solid snag. When you can pull it like mm-hmm. two feet, you're like, yeah, this is like a branch that's three quarters of an inch in diameter. Yeah, it isn't going to break, and the hook is completely all the way into the bottom mm-hmm. of, of the bend mm-hmm. your 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 toast yeah uh, so that wraps up the uh podcast power rankings for this this week uh send in your submissions we'll talk about them we'll discuss them uh get involved send them in on the uh, facebook messenger instagram messenger message me personally uh and we'll get you on the show recapping fourth this week four wheel drive three that click when you engage the reel to driving back after a successful day on the water and one coming in from Mike Luther, uh, getting that bad snag back. So check it out. Send in your submissions. Thanks a lot. All right. 40 minutes into this, we're going to get to the main topic now. So it's going to kind of be more like a show season wrap up. I know we talked about the Ohio show. Um, a little bit, and we just came off of what would have been a week and a half ago, Muskie Max. 
Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. And uh, it was. Yeah. So Muskie Max show comes and I'm I don't want to say I'm manic like I was for the Ohio show, but I want to. Okay. Okay. Was it more or less than the Ohio show? Um, I would say it's equal. I was going to say less because Todd had half of everything. And that, yeah, but you you were you were pinching for time on, uh, you know, you you were concerned about the rod holders numbers, what to bring. You didn't know mm-hmm. what what you know what was in the future. Um, and getting well, getting getting the baits done. I mean, there it was. We had more time at this point uh, to to prep for it, but it was still difficult to build the inventory because there's a wait time, a downtime in assembling baits and whatnot. And when you can touch the baits and its final product. And there was a bunch of like different handoffs. I remember you had to assemble like 40 baits on your own to, to bring them down to the show. I, yeah, I did all, not all the swimmers, but all the colored swimmers, all the colored swimmers. Yeah. We talked already about, the difficulties you had with the swim baits. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, so I, I did I did a lot of swim baits. I probably did 100. And then I did, I don't know, like you said, probably about 40 hard baits just because I was getting them. They were they were late to the party. I, I, had, to, I had to get them done. And some of them were, anyone out there thinking, well, you don't have to do anything. Some of these <laughs> were baits that people were picking up. That mm-hmm. were driving a distance to meet me, so these ones had to be done. They were paid for, mm-hmm. so yeah, I had to get them done. So and, yeah, and boat setups too oh, with gosh. rod holders. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on that. Yeah, the, hitting them perfect. Hitting them perfect. You know, I, I set up this one boat. The we we met this this young gentleman and his father. They were setting up this one boat that they had. It's a really cool looking riverboat. I think it's a jet on the back. I think it is, yeah. And there was just no good place for rod holders. I ended up making, I mean, it. it's rare that this happens, that you can communicate through some means other than actually being there in person and hitting some critical dimensions on some stuff. There were some compound angles that I needed to work with, and it, it came out really nice, and it turned out good, and that was just a big win that kicked off the weekend right there. And... Yeah, so it, it was good, but n- not jumping too far ahead. Todd did did the setup. Was there any big setup hitch or something on Friday? No, we got down there, and as far as I remember, we got everything ready to roll that I had. It was I, the reason I yeah. I brought that up is because it was such a relief for me to not have to take all the totes and try to set up fresh from you know I don't know we got there a little after seven. And we would have had an hour and 45 to, to get everything set up. And it still took us a good part of that to... To get everything set up, yeah. Todd did, like, over 50% of the setup on his own. Absolutely. And that was kind of nice to have that blueprint already there. Everything was, was set up. The baits were in place where they needed to be. Uh, you know, the signs were hung, everything like that. We kind of had the table layout ready to roll. Todd did a great job with that stuff. Yeah, it was it was good, and then, you know, we we caught we we met up with some people we hadn't seen in a while, and so the doors open. What was it? Nine o'clock. 
Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock, the doors open. And immediately, a giant cluster of people, and it almost looked like a school of fish, balled up in front of Baker. Mm-hmm. Did Todd, did you see that? Oh, yeah. Yep. It was just this big, giant clog that, would, that blocked everything. And Zach had helpers this year, which was really beneficial for him. Mm-hmm. And he didn't sell out. But he also brought like four other, three or four other people's baits with him mm-hmm. down to the show. And I think he had, he might have had one or two baits left at the end of the day mm-hmm. on Sunday mm-hmm. of his own. Mm-hmm. He had but, some of the 12s and the 9s left, you know, just because of this area just loves uh, the little shad baits. Yeah. They catch a lot of fish. And, uh, you know, Paul Frescario, he had it. He had a nice, nice setup. I think that was new. I don't remember seeing that before. Did you, Todd? I don't remember how. I mean, he 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 had it on display like that one one other time, where he sort of had him out there, and then he just reached in, and you didn't actually buy the one that was on display. Uh, he had them in bins. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it worked out nice. Without you know, I remember him telling us, you know, he wasn't going to make hooks. Here's your bait. Here's the hooks. Put them in a bag. You're gone. Yeah, that was a nice, was nice, a nice way to to set nice it up. Setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was like my first weakness. I was sitting there. I kept going back to look at those baits of his, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't decide which ones I wanted mm-hmm. because, like I've said it before, I, I don't know his lineup all that well. He had some really limited run stuff there. He had some cool colors, but I'm just like. I don't know which one. And on Saturday, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not thinking, you know, the same as you guys. But on Saturday, it didn't seem as rushed, packed as the year before. But it just seemed like a really long burn of we catch a little break, you know, 10 minutes here. And then we're right back into it. Whereas the year prior, it was just go, go, go for four hours straight i don't you know i don't know because i remember it all of a sudden being two o'clock and we did that thing where we really did not talk to one another at all mm-hmm. uh for from nine to two for five hours until they started those seminars we were we were packed mm-hmm. we were very very packed there was a it was you know three rows deep at points and it was just like last year it was very very it was full baits were flying off left and right it was great it was it was a strong year for bait sales. Mm-hmm. And Todd, how, how were trips on Saturday? Yeah, it went it went well. You know, we I had oh geez, probably I had quite a few people rebook, and I probably picked up uh, you know an extra half a dozen people that I'd never even met before. Picked a day, and uh, you know we got it done right there. So that's always nice. And that, and that takes that takes you out of it. That takes you out of the the booth a little bit. You know, some of these guys want to talk. They're getting ready to come for a two day trip. They're planning a vacation, and you know, oftentimes I you know you got to spend fifteen minutes with someone. Uh, you know, discussing what we're going to be doing, what time of year, when they want to come, who's coming, you know, where are they going to stay, and you know, it takes a, it you know it, it it takes me out of the 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 bait and rod holder mode when when we're when we're talking trips. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, and we get a lot of the guys that, you know, come down there to, you know, they're down at the show. I've 
you know, we fished them before. These are baits. They may not even want much, but, uh, you know, I like to talk and look at the pictures and, you know, it's hard. You know, sometimes I know some guys probably think I really, you know, sh- shut them off, but, you know, you're sitting there BSing and I got two or three guys standing there looking at me that, that they want to do, I, you know, you got to keep moving. You got to keep people going. So yeah, that was, I'm all, it's always a relief when, when those shows are over. I mean, as we talked about it before, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of work goes into them. There's a lot of, you know, not necessarily stress, but you know, it makes or break, you know, a lot of the work you just did. It, it can it, make it, or break, it, it, you know, whether it was worth it or not, you know what I mean? So you, you, you got to keep people moving and keep it going. And, uh, it's always nice when they're done. You know, none of us can talk. You, you, you get, as Andy said, I remember saying, it's like, a, you know, you said, just keep giving the same spiel. Next group walks in, you got to tell them the same thing again, you know. So, uh, but they're fun. It's fun to see everybody, fun, you know, fun to meet everybody. We had a lot of people come up that were podcast listeners. That That's made it fun. You know, we've talked about that before, too. You know, guys just walk up, man, love the podcast, keep it going. That's, that's great. It's great to hear. Yeah, it makes it easier to keep doing this, you know. I had more than one person come up and just introduce themselves, say they like the podcast, this and that. And I'm like, oh, cool. And they, they, like, they knew me. They must, I don't know, recognize my voice or something. And I'm like, well, did you say hi to Vance and Todd? And, and like I said, more than one person's like, they're here. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, they're behind me. I turn around. I'm like, somewhere back here, they're here. Yeah, it was, it was a busy booth. I mean, it's fun. It, it makes the day go by quick. But we didn't eat anything again. We we like. Uh, I was healthy as an ox coming into that show. Oh, oh yeah, Andy had the you know was just getting over the flu. That was a mess. I was slamming Tylenol. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, you got me a tea. I remember that much. Well, yeah, you were losing your voice. I was like, you need something hot. And you're just like, no. No, stay away. Yeah, and I got him a tea, and it, it <laughs> got him through the, the rest of the day. But. And, and, and this this is something I got to point out. Vance goes, here's your tea. And he slapped like four packets of sugar. He goes, here's to make it like. Nice and unhealthy. Nice, and that was exactly it. And I'm like. Well, Vance, the healthiest guy I know, just is like, here, I know you won't drink this unless there's sugar in it. Yeah. Slam this down, fat boy. <laughs> and then I'm like, screw this. And I chugged it in front of him. I'm just like, I'm, and it, straight tea is awful. Oh, it's great. It's terrible. It has an aftertaste. Like, it tastes like the that, earth. It's amazing. Why would you want to eat the earth? It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it, it tastes... Like it, it, it's supposed to be. It's like eating deer meat, liquid form. Yeah, but your deer meat. Now, granted, I I had every option, and I did not like. It wasn't like you better not put that sugar in there, <laughs> and but I, I had to prove to Vance that I I could I could do this the the holistic way. But your reference to deer meat, are you eating deer meat right out of the deer? Like you're just <laughs> reaching in, grabbing that hind quarter, and a taking couple, a bite. A couple pieces. Todd saw me just hack a piece off and you know i like it rare no a little bit yeah so it was a little sweet too i think you dropped a couple of starbursts out of the back of your pocket when you were walking in from the stand those deers were snacking on them (laughs) you know my secrets now (laughs) i didn't want you to see that um so yeah so i 
I got like a power up there from 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 Vance on that one, and little did I know that the next day I should have done the same thing for you. I know, I, but I we're, have we're to not get, there yet. We're not there. I had to get my ribbings in, but isn't um, that a nice show though? That that Musky Max it was it was very it's it's like it's a smaller show, but it packs a punch, and there always seems to be a great turnout, and there was a lot of people. You know how you can kind of tell when somebody comes up to the booth and, you know, you, you know, previous customers and mm-hmm. clients and all that stuff and, or somebody that pretty much, you know, musky fishes or something like or that. Or knows it. Or knows it. But there was a lot of people that never musky fished and came up and were like, I'm, I'm just getting into this. I, I just fish. What, what is this stuff where, where you really had to sit back and say like, Hey, that, you know, and give, a little bit of, of, of advice and, you know, build your tackle box this way and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's the great. In the, in the show, I mean, it was well lit. Tables were nice that were supplied. E- everything was, was top-notch. That's that's mm-hmm. the nice thing is, you know, when, when all of that's already provided. Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely really, I definitely really see that when it comes to, uh, talking about the charter trips with people because, you know, I can tell the people are, are asking questions, you know, they are interested. They really don't know what they're getting into, but you know, and I, you can tell in the questions they're asking, they're talking to other guides, you know, there's, there's guides down there that are fishing, uh, other places in Pennsylvania, Virginia. Of course you have the St. Clair, you have the Kentucky guys there, you know, I see the conversations going on in the background. Well, you know, it's going to take this far to drive here, this far to drive here. Just talked to way more than any other of the muskie shows that I've ever been to. I'm talking to way more people that are looking at, uh, you know, finding a place to go and give this a shot and, and getting a guide to do it. Uh, not just guys in there that are muskie fishermen buying baits. You know, uh, Sean talked about that. You know, there's a lot of people that are attending the show that aren't musky fishermen. And that's what makes a difference. You know, the guide business by far, uh, that's, you know, that, that, that show kicks, kicks butt for me in, in talking to the guys. And, you know, since the show's been over, I've had three or four of the people call that I did talk to, you know, that, that, that didn't pick a day there, but, you know, they went home, probably looked at their maps. Okay. You know, we live here. Let's give this a shot. It's only going to be a three-hour drive, not a seven-hour drive. You know, let let's go with this guy. You know, blah blah blah. And uh, you definitely see that with the with the guide uh, with the guide business. You know. Yeah, absolutely. There was, I mean, there's a lot of people that I talk to about the charter trips that have just never been fishing before. Never. Never. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of husband-wife combos are just like, hmm, I don't know. We golf. We want to try this. Nice. You know. I didn't talk to anyone like that. I was I was the rod holder guy. So Yeah. I tend to get people that already have boats mm-hmm. that are interested in rod holders. Mm-hmm. So other than that, day one went really well. Then it was the vendor appreciation. Mm. And I'm trying to think. Yeah, we went back to the room. I think I had to change my socks because I my dogs were barking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, room clearing. I'm at. I wasn't that bad, but it's bad. I'll give them that much. So, anyways, <laughs> you keep keep getting them in. We're getting to your part now. And uh, 
So, anyways, we go down. There's pizza for the for the vendors and stuff, and we're down there. You know, we're mingling with everybody. I mean, gosh, who who are all the people we talked to? I know we talked to Baker. We talked to Paul. Dale was down there. Tony. Tony, Greg, mm-hmm. and uh, all the vendors are just chilling now. You know, in this area, in this big courtyard. Yeah, and it's it's kind of cool because you're like looking across the room, and essentially everyone is in some way competition to each other, and they're all like slapping each other on the back, laughing, having a good time. It's not like you know some crummy '80s movie at like some high school cafeteria where everyone wants to fight each other. It was it was just kind of a neat thing mm-hmm. when you sit back and you look. You're like, this guy's been doing it for eight years but this guy's been doing it for 28 years mm. and they're sitting there exchanging stories and doing whatever and mm-hmm. um i eat up some pizza and stuff like that trying to get in touch with my wife i think we had one piece todd and i each we didn't eat much i had like three yeah and they weren't big pizzas so Mm-mm. i wasn't being a hog but i had like three and then i'm gonna tell my side of the story because it ends pretty abruptly I finally get in touch with my wife. I talk how the kids are, this and that. And I thought I saw Todd go up the elevator to the room. So I worked my way that way just to see what, you know, see what his feeling was for the rest of the night. And I get in the room and I'm like, oh, no one's here. Well, it's, I don't even know what time it is. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit here. You guys will be here soon. That's where my night ends except for I heard somewhere through my sleep haze I knew Todd came in at one point, and I knew Vance came in. I heard some talking, but I, w- I was gone. I was wiped out. I was exhausted. So fill us in exactly, Todd and Vance. What happened after my early departure? Yeah, well, when I when I saw you, I was doing the same thing. I was trying to find a quiet place to talk to my wife, which I did. You know, I went down to one hall and got all the conversation taken care of and and uh you know went back in uh i had been talking to some guys that that uh live you know some some canadian guys which were really fun to talk to you know they live right on the right on the lakes like where i always go when i go to canada you know and uh it, it was just really fun to talk to them you know it still amazes me you know that's been my vacation spot my entire life and, and i know that people live there obviously houses all over the lake but you know you run into someone like that and you're like you live right there i mean you live there yeah we got our own dock we got our own boat on the water and i'm like that's insane <laughs> that's mm-hmm. so I, I had a great time uh you know talking to them about the fishery you know the, a couple of the young kids were really into the, the fishery you know and uh you know what's going on and you know the pike are starting to move into some of the lakes and well, how it's affecting it and uh yeah we had a nice, uh, nice, uh, nice little discussion with some new, newfound friends. That's that's what that thing's all about. Yeah. My my side of the story. Yeah. Tell tell us now. Tell us. Uh, Todd didn't. Todd must not have been keeping tabs on on Vance Boy over here. But uh, yeah. I mean, I uh, drinks were flowing. We were talking to everybody. Paul, Zach. Todd, Dale, um, Tony, we all when those those nights in the show. Brandon, Lily, yeah, Brandon. Um, they all, you know, everybody's getting together, having some drinks, 
conversations are flowing. People are having knee slapping, laughing events, stuff like that. Uh, you know, we touched, got the Todd and, and Dale were talking about some of the PMTT stuff, which I'm a sucker for listening for. I could sit there and listen to those stories all the time, even if I've heard them. And you can get, and you can get a lot of stories in that situation that, uh, can't be put on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the fun part of it. They <laughs> the, could be the stuff that's happening behind the scenes, but they it might be, be shut down. Be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. you get the real stories of what goes on uh, behind uh, the scenes sometimes with any, with most groups of adult, crazy musky fishermen. Yeah. <laughs> now, Vance, Brandon came up and told me that you had a hard time keeping track of your phone. Yeah. What what was the deal there? I if anybody knows me close, I have I have trouble with keeping any anything on my person, and that's usually cell phone, wallet, and keys. I'm always losing those things. Always. I don't know what it is, but Brandon, um, he knows this obviously. Yeah, throughout the entire night. Uh, he always pokes fun at me, too, about my shoes and stuff. I don't know. My boots, always. <laughs> something about it. Makes fun of my apparel. I think he's trying to make me make fun of my apparel so much by the end of the night that, I, that I'll just be dressed in figure eight garb, which is not, bad, not a bad outfit. But um, he's, he hid my phone all night. So I'm like, where the heck is my phone? I get up from the table. I'm looking around. I'm looking at places I used to be, you know, bathrooms bar (laughs) how much running around exactly went on because again i don't know anything about i mean not much i mean i probably took about three miles of running around a thousand to fifteen hundred steps just looking for my phone the entire night now was he sitting in one spot laughing at you pretty pretty much yeah okay yeah they they, they're playing a prank on me Okay. It is what it is. It was fun. You but know? the drinks were flowing. Is that is that yeah, the, the I mean, term? Everybody everybody was drinking. I, I had a little bit too much to drink. Um, okay, so it comes out. Yeah. So I have I have a little bit too much to drink. Everybody's drinking and you know, when you're in those situations you you know, whatever. We're adults, I'm allowed to do that. Um and He's justifying his behavior. I, I didn't do anything crazy, but w- when <laughs> When I woke up, I had a hangover like no other. I was shocked you even woke up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt it felt like a really bad. You know, you don't you don't adjust to those things in your late twenties like you did in your early twenties. And I didn't even have that much to drink. You know, that would have been like a very boring night in college, and what I did. To, to to let you know how hard of a sleep Vance was in. Todd and I had a conversation literally over this lifeless body for like an hour. Mm. And I'm like, he's going to wake up. And I mean, I, I kind of heard some of the conversation, but I was like, oh, my God, I have a pounding headache when I do wake up from this. This is I'm going to be in a world of hurt. Essentially, Todd's like, we, I'm going to go ahead. Yeah, we, we ate two McDonald's breakfast burritos and a cup of coffee at I ate mine at about six o'clock in the morning. Oh. I, the next thing we ate was two pieces of pizza at nine o'clock at night on that Saturday. Doesn't help if you have a on yeah, yeah, and talking and you know we did drink some waters and 
stuff at the show. So that at least got some fluid in this. But, uh, yeah, so I, I basically had a little bit. That did not help the situation. You're talking about Vance here. Vance, yeah. anyone who's seen Vance knows Vance. This is not like the, uh, he's a very healthy eater. He eats a lot and he keeps on going. Yeah. Uh, this was an exception to the rule for sure, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. But Andy and I were, get, I said, I'm going to get something to eat. I ran to this down to the McDonald's. I think I went to McDonald's again. Yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. I ran down, picked us up some stuff to take back. And Andy was like, well, I don't know what to do. I said, oh, Vance, will, Vance will be done. He'll, he'll be done a little bit here. I, sure I, more or less. I kind of got ready, and Vance was still, like, slithering out of bed like a oozing goo, just like one leg comes out, and, and he, he musters this. He goes, go, I'll be down. And he, like, waved me, like, save yourself. And Andy, do- Andy doesn't get out much, as you guys know. He, he's no, never seen no, yeah, yeah. a hangover before, I don't think. No, I, I, I don't even know anything about this said hangover that you talked about. But he, he literally was just like, I'm like, Man, is this what he's like when he has days off that he just sleeps in till this? I'm like, so what are you saying? Are you saying I'm a closet drunk? No, my, on my days no, off, I, I get this way. I'm it's up, not, up and out. It's, like, six, it's not like we're in middle school where you're spending the night at my house and we're gonna, you know, play fort and we. I can get a uh, <laughs> a reading on what time you your body says it's time to wake up. I'm yeah. just like, well, he's still there, and I'm just like, okay, well. It was the st- the show started at ten. I left the room after Vance is like, "Go, <laughs> go." <laughs> so I left at nine. I'm like, "Well, he'll find his way down." Yeah. And I'm like, "Okay, everything should be good, whatever." And this, show, I'm like, "Oh, it's nine forty-five. I go around make a couple more bait purchases, this and that." And I'm like, "Oh, it's five minutes till." I'm like, "Todd, do you know where Vance is?" He goes, "No." More or less, and I'm like, well, he'll be here. It's like ten after ten. And it is not ten after ten. How? What is it? It was ten o'clock. I was, <laughs> was on it, time. It, it was not on time. I was on time. I, I I passed everybody getting in. There was a line to get through, and I passed everybody up, threw my overnight bag underneath the table, and was ready to roll. Uh, okay, we'll let the the time thing go. But throwing your overnight bag under the table and being ready to go. That last part was not true because you were ready to go out of the booth and go somewhere that I don't know where you went. I had to walk it off. Can the booth run for 10 minutes without me being there? You were probably that's there for I'm, 10 minutes that's in the I'm, first three that's hours. How, when, it, when, I, when I wasn't at the booth, Andy was Andy couldn't handle it. Well, the, 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 That's the, how important I am. Vance is a very This doesn't critical. run without me. Understand he, that. He is... Like the glue that's holding the baits, you know. Like if you think of this like a three-headed monster, Vance is in the middle. I'm running rod holders yeah. on one side. Yeah. I look over and I'm like, "Oh, Todd's talking trips." I'm doing this, and there's like six people looking at baits. I'm like, "Where's Vance?" Because he would just disappear. I needed to walk it off. And then at one point, you you finally got back. You're like, "My dad's here." And you leave, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." Oh God, we're gonna bring this story up. Well, we have to. It's part of it. It's it's the it makes the show. I never I never see my family because I live two hours away. I mean, you know, I see them, but 
And you were such a ray of sunshine on Sunday morning. Oh, it was hilarious. That's that. That was a funny thing. My father came over. He lives close to where the the Muskie Max is held, and he came in, and I was like, "Bring me some Tylenol." He. This is the first time I officially met your father, and you come walking now. I from photos, I knew what he looked like. You were three steps behind him with your head down, walking in shame. <laughs> And, and he's like, standing there. It took two times for us to meet before we finally talked because he just stood there. And then I think Todd, you came over, said something, and then you, you guys left again. And yeah. finally, you came back around, and you're like, "I'm Vance's dad." And Vance, like, we talked like three sentences, and Vance finally catches up and stops. Like his dad uh, was leading him. Uh, he was he was he was uh, laying into me a little bit about my condition. Um, I think. He- his uh his quote he said he said that i uh i smelled like a brewery yes i i wasn't close enough to smell that on you i didn't think i smelled like that i i tend not to try to smell people i think he was just really dogging on me because i had a little bit too much to drink and i didn't drink that much i just when you don't when you stop drinking you know and then you and then you have one of those fun nights uh that it just hits you a little. Don't di- eat di- anything all day. Yeah. yeah, and don't eat anything. And leading up to the trip, those days of, you know, working at the hospital, and you know, it's just an unhealthy lifestyle, and no sleep and stuff like that. You know, and I think I slept like two hours before the show. So it hit. It, it just hit. It hit me. It was. It, it was a funny time. I was. I was the. Uh, the whipping boy. Everybody was laughing at me, uh, and they knew they knew I was I was hurting. I I just don't I don't do it much. I don't party that much anymore. And when it, when I do, it just hits me like a ton of bricks. You know, I did not have that much to drink, and I, I just woke up with no food, no fluid, no sleep. Is this your apology to all the customers that came to want to see you, and you weren't there? <laughs> no. It's not my fault. <laughs> it was fun. The Musky Max is a fun celebration. We were celebrating how good of a day we had. At least I was. Somebody's got to have fun. It was fun. Well, was it worth it? Was it worth it on Sunday? I mean, the cool thing is now is that everyone that was down there is going to have a story of Vance. You remember Vance in 17? I don't think that it's going to be like that. No. It's not gonna be. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. I wasn't doing anything like up on a table, you know, whipping my shirt around, screaming <laughs> stuff like that. We were just. Are you sure? Oh, oh, oh my God! Yeah, I I was aware of what was going on. I was with it the entire time. But you know, you dehydrate your body, you go hypoglycemic from drinking all that stuff. It doesn't. It doesn't work out in the morning. You should. That's this is the, the one one area that I can say, Vance. You should be more like me. Yeah. That's the that, that, that's the game we play when we do that stuff. That's the business. Sometimes it bites you. Sometimes it bites you back. That's right. So other than that, Sunday everything wrapped up nice. Nothing really major other than Vance was in and out, and I was playing catch up on what really was happening because I didn't know what was happening the night before, and so. There was nothing bad that happened. Except for where'd you no, go? And fun. then I'm finding out like, oh, I'm getting bits and pieces from Tony. 
from Dale, Are Brandon. You s- no. It was filtering in, and I'm just like, man, you just can't find good help after a hard night of drinking. Unbelievable. So, other than that, got I, back. I did. I did fine on Sunday. I think. I, I I'm gonna say, it was uncharacteristic of you. Oh my god. Sorry, Musky World. <laughs> so, that wrapped up the show season. I want to end it on that one. Todd, is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I think that's the end of it. I just got. Uh called today next uh, I'm gonna be doing a I'm gonna be doing something down at the Three Rivers chapter next Monday what I think it's or next next the first Monday of April no their meetings are the second Monday so it's like the 10th it's, it's like on the 10th something like that I'm gonna do a little talk down there anybody I know Three Rivers chapter picked up a bunch of new members and uh, you know I'm going to get on. We're, we're going to do a little talk about Chautauqua Lake down at the monthly meeting. So anybody, new members, Three Rivers, come on down. We're going to have a fun meeting. Raffle tickets. Listen to me babble on a little bit. So, yeah. The uh, I, I know I said earlier in the show, but we're, we're, we're an hour and 14 right now. And uh, some of the baits that we picked up, you know, I... I got a couple Wileys, but they're experimental Wileys. They're they're not anything crazy, um, but they are not what normal people would see or think of when they think of Wileys. So that's a little teaser there that I'm going to play with. I got some Boss Shads. I also got um, Evan Shoss. He had he had some nice looking baits. He has a booth right next to us. I picked up one of his that went right into the China cabinet. I really like that rainbow trout. Mm-hmm. We also got. What else did we get? Oh, we got some musky lunches. Yes, we did. We got. He was across from us. He's an Erie bait maker. We definitely got Boss Shads. Todd, how many? You know, it's funny because we go and get a bait or something like that, and Todd gives us this look like another bait, and we're like all excited talking about it. Then he kind of goes off and gets a bait. <laughs> You're like, what do I need another bait for? But it, you, you made some comment like the, the excitement of us getting baits. You had to go find some baits to get. Yeah, yeah. I had to go get some of those Bosch ads. Some of the odd, well, not odd ones, but some of the ones I hadn't seen or used yet. And Yeah, we did pick up some of those. I'm, I'm really excited on the Bosch ads. You know, now that I should actually see and hold them. And, and you, know, you know, when someone says an 8-inch bait, it could was an eight inch bucktail or is an eight inch, I don't know, big giant cannonball thing. Mm-hmm. Because there, there's a lot to play with when you got eight inches there. And I got that eight inch minnow of his, and I'm really excited to run it. I'm I'm curious to see. And of course, we get back, things start, you know, settling down for me, and we get a pile of snow. Yeah. So I can't even. Yeah. I can't even play with some of the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, guess, I, I I always feel I, I feel guilty. I come home out right now. I have about twenty baits listed on eBay just because I look at all this stuff. And I mean, I have a closet in the basement. I have the, they're in my office. They're in there, and you just you know, and they're all good working baits. It's just that some of them that I like, okay, I have not ran this in ten years. I want to put some of this new stuff in the boat, and I'm going to let somebody else use these because 
I can't use everything. You can't use all, <laughs> all the baits. And I'm even when you're guiding and, you know, I get to pick all six baits when we troll every day. But, you know, half of the stuff doesn't even ever make the trip to Chautauqua. How long do you sit there and look at that stuff? Plus, I have a bait collection, you know, uh, old stuff. So that's what I do. I come home and I, 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 I get rid of 20 or 50 baits and uh, replace them with some new ones. Yeah. I got some Leos, too. Mm-hmm. I got I got you, you know that, at the Ohio show I picked up some of them Lexane lip Leos, and I also got that little mm-hmm. baby, itty bitty little top rider looking thing. And there's some history that I have with that bait, and I picked up two of them. And they went right into my my uh, little museum thing that I got. So some neat stuff, neat stuff going around. Mm-hmm. Vance, anything you want to talk about your baits? I picked up a CEO. We'll join at Boss Shed. I'm excited to run that. Um, and picked up two Wileys and picked up one of those uh, nine-inch deep-running bakers for up in Canada. And that was it. wasn't too crazy of a show bait bait-wise for me. I got a jig. I got a. Uh, I don't know what they call it. The the, the jigging handle or whatever that. Uh, the jig ripper. Greg, Greg, yeah, yeah, that, that Greg Thomas had. I picked up one of those. I, I'm interested in that, but in the, in the same, I love the idea. I love the concept. I'm not sure it fit me well. Running through the bushes, it's not going to. It's not going to fit in the rod holders well. It's going to be a pain that way. You know what I mean? It's not going to fit in. Not rod holders, but it's just not going to fit in the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, rod storage. So it is going to be something that you know. I will probably set up a rod with that when I know we're going to be doing some jigging. But I think it's going to be nice for jigging. I know the little bit of jigging that I play around with, you know, I think it's going to be, it's going to feel a lot more comfortable than holding that foregrip and jigging. I mean, put it on the spinning combo. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be right in the room. It'd be awful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, but it's, uh, you know, I and we, you see, some guys are using for jerk baits. And, I mean, everything. I we, we saw guys, I saw guys fishing this year that that's just the way they cast now, you know. And like Greg, you know, Greg said he uses it a lot more than he ever did because of, you know, it sounds funny, but when you do this, I mean, my shoulder is messed up from fishing. My elbow is messed up, and it's mostly due to throwing jerk baits for the last. 30 years all day, every day for weeks on end. Sometimes, you know, uh, just that, that other grip could, could relieve some of that, you know, tendonitis and stuff that's going on. And, uh, we'll see. I'm looking forward to getting that out and playing around a little bit. Perfect. Well, good spot to end it right here. Please check out Boshad, boshad.net. Mark's Bait Tackle and Ammo on Facebook. They also have an online store. You can find Boshad on Facebook as well and Instagram. And Wiley Lures at muskythrills.com. Jackson Lure. And that's O'Donnell's. O'Donnell's. If you're, if you're in the area. Um, St. Croix Rods, best on earth. Check them out, stcroyrods.com, I mm-hmm. think. And uh, 
Fatty Z Musky Products, fattyzmusky.com, Facebook, Instagram, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com. He is filling them up. So if you're interested, uh, get in contact before all the dates are gone. And uh, thanks for listening, and hopefully it'll be spring soon. We will all be wishing we were fishing. Goodbye. <laughs>